hope you, uh, every Sunday will sense that the most important thing this season is Christ, the glorious impossible. We are pleased to have uh, a guy who knows this place pretty well. Dean is going to preach today. Uh, so you listen attentively to him. That's what he would say. God would have to say through him today. So we welcome Dean. Uh, you can applaud him. I think the Lord, Lord will be honored in that. mess up a good thing. If I listen to that every Sunday, I might become a Pentecostal. <laughs> Thank you so much. My, my, what a blessing. I'd like to offer my congratulations to Dunn and Katie for 24 years at Hillcrest Baptist Church. And I understand it very well. Let's see, Jason's working on his 40th year. <laughs> I still got seniority in the longest pastor that's ever been here. Man, when Jason came here from Blue Mountain College, he just moved in. <laughs> and I love he and Kayla so very, very, very much. They're just like family to me. Dot sends her love to you guys. She can't travel much anymore. She's had four back surgeries, and the last one pretty much did her in. She goes to church on Sunday, seven miles to our little church, and she goes to Huntsville two or three times a year, and that's about it. But she loves you guys just like I do. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough ways smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. I read a, some years ago, a great book that Chuck Swindoll wrote. In that book, he tells a story when he finished high school in Houston, he went to work in a machine shop. And one of the men he worked with in the shop was named Tex. 
Chuck Swindoll said this man just had a built-in radar of some kind. He always knew when it was time to get ready to punch the clock. And one day Chuck Swindoll said to him, he said, Tex, I think it's about time to get ready to punch the clock. Tex said, boy, when you stay ready, you don't have to get ready for quitting time. And I'm always, always ready for quitting time. In this special season of the year, this Advent season is a time for getting ready. Blessed is a person who stays ready to keep from getting ready. Advent comes from a Latin word. It means coming to. It's a time of preparation. Preparing our hearts for the Lord. That coming will manifest itself in two ways. The celebration of his coming that first Christmas. And the second Advent at the end of time. John the Baptist dressed in wild animal skins eating locusts and wild honey but this was the man that God chose to announce the coming of the Messiah the voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord make his path straight and during this season of Advent, you and I are preparing our hearts to celebrate Christ's coming. We're buying our gifts, beautiful lights, wonderful music, the preparation and anticipation, and part of the joy of Christmas. But are these preparations really adequate for what this time is all about in, in our lives as believers? There are some things that we need to do if we're truly going to get ready for his coming. Three words. You can remember them. And I don't know why, but I've had four people to tell me this morning what time you folks like to get out. <laughs> Preparation for the coming of Christ means, first of all, repentance. You can remember that word. Luke tells us that John came preaching a gospel of repentance. Think about it. Give us some thought this morning. How else would we prepare for the coming of the Son of God? The Bible tells us that God is holy. And as R.S. Sproul says that 
when the Bible writers want to add emphasis, they use repetition. And he said that God is holy, holy, holy. How else could people such as you and I receive the Lord's anointed unless we repent to this Holy One? C.S. Lewis puts it this way. Christianity has no message for those who do not realize they're sinners. My dear people, we are sinners. Saved by the grace of God. And without him coming and his love shedding abroad in our hearts, we'd be as lost and helpless as a person could possibly be. John's word is the word of repentance. Now, let me ask you, if there is something shoddy in our lives today, something, something that we wish was not there, something that degrades us and holds us down and keep us from being what we'd really like to be. In this Advent season, if I had a word to say to you this morning, it would be to get rid of it. Get it out of your life. Repent of something that's keeping you from being the kind of person that God wants you to be. You have a lot of young people and they've never heard of this person, but if you're as old as Bill Cowes, you have. <laughs> There's a motivational speaker that was very popular years ago. His name was Zig Ziglar. Zig Ziglar was speaking at the Southern Baptist Convention one time. And he said his mother told him to go out in the garden and row a hoe, to hoe a row of beans. Zig Ziglar said he was 10 or 11 years old at the time. But he did it, he was told to do. His mother said, son, when you get through, call me. I want to come and inspect your work. So he hold that row of beans, called his mother. She came out and looked, shook her head, and said, son, I think you're gonna have to do it over. You see, for most boys, they'll be perfectly all right but you're not most boys. You're my son. And you can do better than this. And that's John's message to our world. God's children can do better than this. We don't have to wall in self-pity and sin. We can repent and reestablish our footing. Then there's a second thing. We need to make a commitment to righteous living. 
during this Advent season. Righteous living. Now you might say that's redundant. Repentance involves a commitment to righteous living. But that's not what a lot of people think of when they think of righteous living. They don't think about repentance. They don't, do not understand that repentance is a complete change of mind. I read a book recently about John, excuse me, about Mark David Chapman. He's the man that shot David, uh, John Lennon. Was sentenced to 20 years to life. He's still in prison in somewhere in New York today. He's gone before the parole board many times. And they always turn him down. Chapman said, you can't judge a man's life by just one act. He said, before I came the man that murdered John Lennon, I was basically a decent person. He said he suffered some, something mentally in his life when he committed that terrible act. But he said, I'm not an evil person. And in a way, he's right. There is a little bad in the best of us. Some of the best people I've ever known are in this congregation this morning. And I admire you and respect you and have learned so much from you. But you're not perfect. None of us, none of us are. There's enough bad in the best of us. And enough good in the worst of us. All of us need to recognize that. Someone said that good and evil increase and in compound interest. Did you hear about the woman who lived next door to the zoo and she found out that she had a skunk in her cellar and she called animal control and said I've got a skunk in my cellar what am I going to do he told her to take breadcrumbs and crumble them up and scatter them from the door of her cellar back towards the zoo she did exactly as she was told. She called him back the next day and she said, now I've got two skunks. <laughs> That's kind of the way life is. It's not enough this morning, dear people, to try to reform one or two bad habits during this season of Advent. What we need today is a change of heart. We need a new orientation, a new total commitment to righteous living. How do we repair for his coming? 
one of the best ways I know is to repent of wrongdoing and seek his righteousness. There's a third and final word if we're going to really come to him during this special season. We repair by receiving God's grace. Now we're not disciples of John the Baptist as much as we admire him. We want to try to seek his words, but we are disciples of Jesus. And all of us know today, every one of us realizes, we do not have the power within ourselves to live as we ought to live. What can we do then? We throw ourselves on his mercy. We depend on his grace to supply us as unworthy as we are. A righteous that only, only he can give. When I was in seminary, I had the privilege to hear Jerry Clower, who was from Mid County, Mississippi, and lived in, in Yazoo City. Jerry Clower told a story about a woman from Mid County who had 16 children. He didn't call them children, he called them young'uns. That <laughs> she had 16 young'uns. One of them came up missing, and she couldn't find him. There was a construction site going on near her house, and she went over there looking for her son, and she found him with black tar all over him. And she shoved him back in the tar and said, son, it'd be easier to get another one than try to clean you up. But we serve one today, dear friends, that can clean us up. He can take what is wrong, can change it, reestablish our going, make us what we ought to be. How shall we prepare for his coming? Hey, folks, almost through. How shall we prepare for his coming? To repent. And I believe this morning in this congregation there's some people who probably need to repent. What better time than the fourth Sunday of December right in the middle of Advent to repent of wrongdoings? Some need to make a commitment to righteous living. You're not real happy with how you've been living. You feel a need to make a change. Maybe some of us need to have a willingness to receive his grace and his love in our hearts. You remember that person I told you about at the beginning of 
my message today. Chuck Swindoll worked with at the machine shop in Houston, Texas. Tex told Chuck that he wanted to stay ready for quitting time. And I believe that one of the best things we could do Jason put this thing on. Is it on? I think one of the best things we could do this morning is follow his example. And get ready for quitting time. I don't, I don't be morbid or sad. But there are people that I miss today. They were faithful for more than 16 years. And stayed faithful after that. But they're not here anymore. The Lord's called them home. This is a season, dear church people, to live on tiptoe. With a doubt, without a doubt, you'll have some of the sweetest music in all of North Mississippi. And I've come to love and appreciate your pastor. He's reached out to me as a real friend. But all of us need to make sure we're ready for that great tomorrow when Christ shall return. I'll leave you with this thought. Let's stay ready so we won't have to get ready for quitting time. Folks, it's coming to all of us. Father, thank you for the words I've spoken today, the meditation of my heart. May they be acceptable in your sight. And I pray this morning that you will lead us, guide us, and direct us in the way you would have us to go. And if there's a person here today who needs to make some kind of commitment, some kind of decision, May this be the service, the very time in their lives when they do that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.